As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's up, everyone? It's Bo here, and it is another She-Hulk TV talk. We got episode two, and man, I'm loving this series. Okay, so of course she loses her job because she's now too much of a liability for the law firm, or I guess for the DA's office that she was working for. And so she gets picked up by this law firm that is uh, originally the ones that she was going against. Now, her new boss place of business work thing. They got a superhero division. They're going to be dealing with all these superheroic cases. And, you know, it's interesting because at first you think, okay, this is, this is great. This is how she's going to interact with a lot of the, the superhero community. But the reality is this is also an opportunity to interact with the supervillain community and to really kind of reevaluate the way in which we have viewed some of these supervillains. And I'm really excited for this. This is law at its finest, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's thinking, it's rethinking and, and recognizing that everybody, regardless of who they are, deserves a fair case or divert, deserves a fair trial and deserves to have their side of the story told. We get this with Blansky. Blonsky? Bl- abomination. We get this with Abomination, right? So he shows up and, uh, you know, he's in this high security prison. Immediately, I was thinking like, wow, okay, the raft looks totally different. But no, this is actually, we see the sign for the uh, the Department of Damage Control. Now, Department of Damage Control has been woven throughout season five. <laughs> season five? No, phase four. Thank you. Phase four of the MCU, it's been woven throughout as kind of the, I guess, replacement for S.H.I.E.L.D. And while S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of existed as kind of this, uh, I guess, interna- international arm of the law to some extent or espionage arm of the law. Uh, you know, that's they kind of evolved to be this superhero management task force, right? Once the Avengers kind of came into play and arguably since even before the days of the Avengers, as we saw with uh, Ant-Man, the original Ant-Man and the Wasp. S.H.I.E.L.D. is gone. S.H.I.E.L.D. has been gone for quite some time. And yet we still need some way of dealing with 
this kind of super heroic or rather just super human element in our society as we found it. Uh, thus, now we have the, the Department of Damage Control. I'm wondering if we're going to eventually see the Department of Damage Control become kind of like what Hammer is, or if we're actually already seeing notes of Hammer here. Uh, Hammer, by the way, that was the organization that replaced S.H.I.E.L.D. after, uh, gosh, it was, was it Civil War? No, Scroll, the Secret Invasion. Yeah, after Secret Invasion, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. was kind of eradicated, and Norman Osborn, a.k.a. the Green Goblin, kind of became the new Nick Fury-esque you know, uh, head of this new department, or rather new organization called Hammer, which did everything that S.H.I.E.L.D. did, just more dark and, you know, darker shades of morally gray, I guess is probably the best way to say it. But anyway, Blansky's been uh, kept in this cell that looks very reminiscent of what we saw from uh, the Hulk's Gamma Lab, just a little bit up, you know, uh, upgraded. We've got these lasers keep coming throughout uh, these like, you know, I guess you touch them and they uh, instantly evaporate you red lasers. So don't touch the red lasers. And we see Blansky actually give his side of the story. And it makes a lot of sense, right? Like, you know, Jennifer doesn't want to deal with them for all the obvious reasons. He tried to kill her cousin. Enough reason right there. But as you hear his side of the story, you know, he, he thought he was going to be Captain America. He literally took the exact same or at least a variant of the super soldier serum that made Captain Rogers, Captain Rogers and made him Captain America. And so, you know, he was working for the U.S. government. They, you know, they, they pumped him up with all these uh, chemicals. He goes out there to take care of what the government had declared a menace. And in the process, you know, the two of them end up kind of wrecking the city and one of them goes off to become a hero. The one that he was hunting down goes off to become a hero and he gets locked up for the last past, you know, 10, 15 years, however long it was. So, you know, it's really interesting because I don't know that we've really seen the abomination through that lens or I don't think that we've been invited to see him through that lens. So that was really exciting. Now, of course, if you're like me and you've been kind of keeping up with everything that's going on in phase four, you're sitting here watching this thinking like, uh, yeah, but like, you know, Shang-Chi, we, we saw the abomination. He's kind of out and about. He's chilling with Wong in an underground fight club. Oh, speaking of fight club, how about that nod to Edward Norton? All right, we'll talk about it in a second. But anyway, we're trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Where does this fit in the timeline? And of course, by the end of the episode, we do in fact see that there is leaked footage of exactly what we saw in Shang-Chi and that while this case was about to be a really public case, it is uh, suddenly getting just hammered because... You know, clearly Blansky has not been Blansky. Blan the abomination has not been uh, chilling in prison as much time as he said he was. And thus, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, newfound attention on this case and kind of this question of whether or not it's OK that maybe these supervillains are being let out to go and be part of a, uh, a fight club with a pretty high ranking member of. The Avengers, I think at this point we can say, right, Wong is kind of a, a pretty big member of the Avengers. He's a Sorcerer Supreme. But let's talk about the Avengers. I thought we were done with Bruce. I thought that the Hulk was uh, just kind of a one episode deal. What a great surprise that he pops up in this episode. Like, honestly, just the like the missed phone call, I thought was enough to be like, wow, OK, I'll, thank you, Mark Ruffalo. Thank you for lending your voice for a little bit of extra here. That, that just that made me happy. But then when we actually get a chance to see him right on the phone and he's talking to Jen and they're, they're reconnecting. I'm like, man, okay, this is a, there's a lot of Hulk in this, this she Hulk, right? Like there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, potential, even more kind of Hulk goodness throughout. And like for a brief moment, I thought like, is he going to be like a main ongoing character throughout this series? Cause that would be amazing. And then of course we find out that no, he's not going to be around for that much longer because that call is coming from space. Now we can ask the question as to how he's getting that kind of coverage, I guess, satellite phones. Anyway, 
So he's he's going out in face space. Uh, looks like that Sicarian messenger ship did finally get a hold of him, and he's gone. Here's what I'm thinking with all of this. Okay, so Jen is going to go on this whole journey throughout this season of trying to reevaluate her life when everything gets turned upside down, when her secrets been exposed. Uh, she doesn't have the same kind of hangups that Bruce does because she doesn't repress her anger, but she now has to deal with this kind of notion of like, okay, well now you have all of this newfound, like superhuman Hulk strength. And because she has a tendency of steamrolling people, I'm wondering if that's going to kind of bring her to a place where she has to figure out how to live in the world as such a force of nature. You know, there's a great line from Superman, the animated series, or actually I think it was from Justice League Unlimited, where Superman talks about the fact that he always feels like he's in a world of cardboard and that like he has to be so careful because every, any little like additional squeeze could mean, you know, the difference between a hug and ending somebody's life, right? And so like this notion that Jen now has to operate as She-Hulk almost 24-7 completely while she's at work. Yes, she can control going back and forth, but now she's been put in the situation where they only want her if she's going to be the She-Hulk. So it's interesting. It's a cool office, by the way. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening there. All right, speculation. I want to throw this in. Here's my thought. We're going to see Jen go through this whole journey of her, you know, uh, becoming She-Hulk attorney at law. It's really awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, again, that little wink wink at the camera with the Edward Norton thing when when Hulk was like, I'm, I'm a completely different person now. And she's like, <laughs> yeah. And then we just move on. I thought that was, that was priceless. Reminded me of uh, the roadie, you know, hey, it's it's me. It's I'm here. Let's deal with it. Let's move on or whatever it is. It's it kind of like that. It was great. It made me happy. And we never really got something like that for the Hulk. And I think this is the great, a great way to acknowledge it. All right, but the Hulk, I think, this is my speculation, you know, we're all sitting back here and we're thinking, oh, they're setting up a World War Hulk movie or, oh, this might be the son of Hulk or whatever it is. Okay, what if this is setting up, what, what we're actually seeing is setting up season two? And what if season two of She-Hulk is going to be essentially the World War Hulk storyline except it's going to be She-Hulk versus the Hulk, right? So what if we're seeing at the beginning of the series, Bruce is going off into space. We're not going to see what happens, right? But what we're going to do is at the end of this season, what if that Sakarian vessel comes back to Earth and she's like, oh, Bruce, you know, I, I, I did a thing and it's so great to see you. But then he comes out and he's all fully gladiatored up like like a, a Ragnarok style. He's no longer smart Hulk. And then like all these other like warships start descending on Earth. That would be awesome and a great setup for season two. And then they have us all questioning like, well, where are the Avengers and all that kind of stuff? Anyway, that's my theory. I think that's what we're seeing here. And I think that would be amazing to kind of come full circle at the end of this where you know, she now has to, you know, handle, you know, this world breaker Hulk pers persona from her cousin. So anyway, that's my theory. We'll see what ends up happening. How are y'all liking the show? I am loving it. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Head over to tvtalk.fm for all of our contact information. Head over to Twitter, tweet in your thoughts, use the hashtag SheHulkTVTalk. Love to see those there. And that's going to do it for us for this week. But don't worry, I'll be back in a flash. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.